I'm, uh, uh, I am the one that's blessed by every stretch of the imagination. Uh, you all have treated me so well and uh, just opened up your homes and opened up your hearts and, uh, and also just you know, letting your kids come to uh, the camp. Uh, now, some of you might be uh, a little bit past the age, but, but you can come. I don't know if we can teach you anything, but you can come anyway. Let me start with a scripture this morning from um, uh, the Gospel of Mark in chapter 10. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, David, uh, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped on his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, said Jesus. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Let us pray. Father, what a blessing it is to, to, to come together today to, to worship you, to praise you, to understand what you would have us to learn today. Father, help us uh, to sense all that is going on in this passage, uh, penetrate our hearts uh, to help us glean the promises that you have for us for us to take into our very being and to share the good news of Christ. Amen. Well, basketball camp. If you come to the church during the week, uh, I would encourage you to go ahead and stop by the gym. Uh, when you stop by the gym, you will hear a lot of noise. I mean, a lot of noise. Uh, especially if you come that last half hour or if you come on Friday when we're doing the, the tournament, uh, there is uh, just a, a I, I call it semi-controlled chaos going on. Because uh, when you have these, these little ones and they're, they're, they're trying to learn and they're trying to, to get the understanding of, of, of what the game is all about and, and we have given them, them instructions. So when you, when you walk into the gym, you'll, you'll hear whistles blowing and you'll hear coaches uh, yelling out instructions and you'll hear other kids going, pass me the ball, pass me the ball. But the most important thing that you'll remember, whoever, whomever has the ball, that person's name is being yelled over and over and over again because those people want to be recognized. So they're going, Shane, 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 and, or whatever the person's name is, they want that ball. So you hear that just constantly over and over again. The passage that we uh, uh, read or studying this morning, uh, I actually see some similarities um, in that passage to, to the crowd outside of Jericho and the, the mob that we have inside the gym. Um, chaos, pandemonium, people pushing, people shoving, uh, people trying uh, to, be, uh, to see what's going on and tr people and kids trying to be seen. The noise in our scripture today was probably at a, at a very similar um, level as our gym and and uh, uh, that in Jericho that day that Jesus and his disciples were, were just leaving the city. Uh, 
This Jericho is the, the new Jericho, actually. Uh, the old Jericho is just a couple miles uh, away. The old Jericho that we read about in Joshua 6, that uh, Joshua had, had just come into the promised land, and the angel of the Lord came and said, you know, I want you to, to walk around the city for six days, and on the seventh day I want you to walk around it, uh, on the seventh day I want you to walk around it seven times, and I want you to shout, and I want you to blow your horns, and the walls will come down. Interestingly enough, our world tells us today that this is a biblical myth. Um, and one author that I, that I read that taunts propaganda of the kings of Judea. But you know, I have, I have been up to that, that hill. It's called the Tel of Asaltan now. But the, the hill, uh, there's a lot of archaeological work going on. And we talked to some, some archaeologists there, and there's an interesting phenomenon with the, with the walls of old Jericho. The walls of old Jericho, there are a couple places where the walls fell outward, away from the inner part of the city. And they really aren't coming up with some great explanations. You know, they, did, the, did the wall fall because it was just the, the mortar got really bad and, and it just pushed out? Was there urban expansion and they needed to push the wall out to, to build more houses? But I think the reason the walls fall out is because of a mystery. I believe that Joshua and his people, his, the Israelites, that those walls fell down. So when we come to Mark and we look at this passage, the people have already moved from the old city because it had fallen into depravity. And they, they, they built this great city, or Herod, I should say, built this great city. Uh, it's by a beautiful oasis. And, and in those days, it was, it was really a grand city. And so you see this, this um, a crowd of people going, and, and basically they're, they're, they're going to Passover. They're all on their way 18 miles up the road, um, <coughs> excuse me, up the road, going to the city of Jerusalem. And, and as they're going up, there's this, this, this huge throng of people going with them. Uh, David says in Psalm 42, as he travels to the house of God, says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of, protection of the Mighty One with the shouts of joy and praise among the festive thong, throng. That was really a mistake. <laughs> but anyway, you, you have this whole group of people, and they're, they're just crowding, and, and you, can, you can almost visualize this. And then you, you can, as you read this, you see this blind man, Bartimaeus, which means the son of Timaeus, and they repeat that. Um, it, it's kind of an, an, an interesting statement. I'm going to save a, a, a little bit of this to the end, but basically what he is saying, the son of Timaeus, because bar Timaeus means son of Timaeus, and then he's repeating it, son of Timaeus. So in the Greek and the Aramaic, you're, you're, they're hearing son of Timaeus, son of Timaeus. And so we, we, we hear this, but I, there is something specific about the meaning of Timaeus that, that I think is very key here. But we also see that, that Bartimaeus is, is, and I'll call him Bart or Blind Bart, just to kind of slow things or speed things up a little bit. He shouts, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, son of Timaeus. Blind Bart basically is, is, is trying to make a connection here. 
he, he realizes there's a, a legacy in their, in their upbringing. There's, there's something that he is trying to bring into connection. You know, and I, and I think we, we do that ourselves because we as Christians many times will call each other brother and we'll call each other sister. But what, what Barnabas is trying to do here is he's, he's trying to get that connection. Jesus, recognize me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a brother of yours. Uh, we're, we're both sons of great ones, of great people. And so, you know, he's trying to play out the connection. You know, and, and I think we all do that. We, we all want to be connected. We all want to be in community. We want to have that camaraderie. We want to have people beside us. And I think the Bible explicitly tells us, you know, we are a people of God that come into community, that worship together, that, that shoulder our burdens and cares with one another. And that's an important part of what we do, do as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's such an essential we also need that time alone where we're praying and we're in communion with God. But essentially, he wants that communion. And that's what Barnabas is trying to do. He's trying to do, to, to, to say to Jesus, we, we're, we're brothers. But there's also something else that, that, that comes into that. Not only is he saying we are, we are brothers, but by saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, He's also recognizing that, that Jesus is the Messiah. And he, he understands it. He understands that, that legacy. He understands the, the prophetic utterances of Isaiah that says, you know, that, that, that the, the king, the Messiah, will come from the stump of Jesse. And, and, he's, and he's making that connection too. In Isaiah 11 it says, In that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a sign to the people's him shall the nations seek, and his dwellings shall be glorious. Making that connection, making that understanding that, that this is not just some guy that's out walking around. This is, a, this is the Messiah. This is God walking in our midst. Barnabas continues to shout in the Greek. It still means it, it, that he kept on yelling. There's an urgency to his efforts. He has one shot. He has one shot. And he's saying to himself, I've, I have got to be heard. He's heard the stories of, of Jesus' healing. You know, the, the, you know, just like every group of people, there, there's a pipeline. You know, we, we hear things through the group. If you live in a neighborhood, you hear things, you know, because it's the neighborhood pipeline. You know, in church, you got the church pipeline. Work, you got the work pipeline. You've got this pipeline of information that comes. So there's this pipeline, I imagine. I don't know for sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that there's a pipeline that, that Barnabas has heard from somebody else that, there's, that this man, Jesus, is a powerful guy, and he heals people of their blindness. Because Jesus had already done this a number of times before he got to Jericho on that day. You know, so, so like the, the blind guys up in Nazareth told the guys in Capernaum and they told the guys in Tiberias and they kind of worked their way down the Jordan River until finally got to Jericho. Then another blind guy told, Jer uh, told Barnabas, said, Jesus heals the blind. And Barnabas goes, Really? Yeah, he said, yeah, I saw it myself. Ta -da. Anyway, <laughs> this renegade, radical rabbi um, made a name for himself, not in just the, the blind community, 
but he made a name for himself everywhere he was going. Because of the wonders, because of what he did, the gentleness and the gospel that he was preaching, the good news that he was relating to them. But by and by, he is now going, I've, I've, I'm deferring this condition to Christ. I'm deferring my condition to Jesus because I have nowhere else to turn. I need help. And he's yelling out, Lord Jesus, please heal me. Enough is enough. I, I, want to, I want to take a little bit of a segue here. H- how do we talk to Jesus? How do we, how do we talk to God? And I think that's an important question for all of us because I know for myself there are, there are times that um, I've cried out to him. Times when I've been desperate be, beyond measure, folks. My cries have been maybe not audible, but my heart is screaming them. I can't do this, my Lord. I can't do this on my own. Restore me. Give me peace. Heal my heart. Help me to overcome the hurt that I'm feeling. And more than likely, it's not a pain of my physical body. It's a pain that I feel within me because my soul has been broken. My heart's been stomped on. It's been damaged. We're not told how long Barnabas had been blind, uh, but I can't imagine the loneliness he must have felt, the isolation, the fears he must have felt daily, being blind and sitting by the side of the road. There are robbers out there, people that want to harm them, people want to take things from them. That fear, that desperate shout that hopefully will save him from the darkness. Psalm 51, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Broken bark, lost, no hope. A blind blind beggar with no prospect of anything other than obscurity, gloom, and darkness. To add injury to, to, or insult to the injury, he is rebuked by that crowd. As soon as he speaks up, as soon as he yells out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They start yelling at him to be quiet. These people that are marching along, that are, that are so self-centered, say, you know what, you're messing things up. You're annoying him. If you annoy him, he'll leave and he won't see me. Be quiet. Shut up. And probably a lot worse than that. Don't bother him. Don't you know how to behave before the king? Don't you know that you need to show respect to him? Don't you know that I'm trying to see and I'm trying to be seen? He was an annoyance. Put yourself where you're supposed to be. Get in your place. Your place is by the side of the road. Your place is not with us. It's interesting, uh, I was sitting on the plane coming over last night and, and I was, I'd gotten on the plane and I was, I was fortunate enough to sit right in the first seat. And as I'm, as I'm, as I'm sitting in a really a small plane, by the way, I think there was 40 people on it and you know, I had to sit like this. Um, but, but anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on, on the plane and I, I, 
I thought I was the last one. I usually kind of wait until everybody gets on, and then I'll, I want to be the last one because if I'm sitting in the back, you know, and they have the doors open, and I don't know if you can imagine how much problem I have on a plane anyway. So, so anyway, I, I, I'm sitting there, and this girl came on that was the last one on the plane. And she is blind, and she has her stick to guide her. And she, she, and I saw the stick first, and and, it, and she just, I mean, she's right there in front of me, and she, I see the stick first, and she kind of stumbles a little bit on, and then she turns the wrong way. She turns towards the cockpit. It's interesting because the um, uh, um, the uh, attendant um, uh, and I both reached for her at the same time, and he said, "No, this way." And I just, uh, I, for that moment, I just thought, you know, how, how incredibly courageous she is to, to, to get on a plane. But the thing that struck me the, the, that very moment was how sweet she was. You know, in her blindness, in her darkness, in probably her fears, and going the wrong way, do I know, do I know what my next steps are? You know, are things safe? You know, how, how do you, I, I couldn't even wrap my head around that. And it was even so much more powerful because I am reading this very verse the moment I saw her. Trying to get on a plane and then turning the wrong way. And she said, oh, thank you so much. And just the sweet smile she had and, and walked back. And it's interesting, when I got off the plane and... Uh, um, uh, went to, to, to the luggage, and here, here she is, and, and she had met this guy on the plane, and I, and I heard them talking, and he was walking beside her, kind of helping her along, too. And, you know, we live in such a, a, at least yesterday, that night with that girl, her sweet disposition, I think, got her to so many different places. That people wanted to help her, wanted to assist her, because of how she was. It's a little bit different with Barnabas. You know, he, he was so desperate that he cried out. Barnabas, though, is not going to be quieted. Scripture says he shouted all the more. In my mind, I, I see this like it was, like it was a movie. I, I, I can visualize this scene so, so clearly. You know, I've, I've walked on that road from Jericho to, to um, uh, Jerusalem, and, and, and I can see it. It's dusty, it's dirty, it's hot. And I can, I can just see Barnabas sitting on the side of the road in the ditch, basically. And, and, and as he's sitting there, he, he hears, he says, Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. The Messiah, the Christ, is coming by, and his ears pick up, and he's, and he's, he's trying to figure out, okay, wh where is he? Where is he? And there's this huge mass of people. And he goes, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Yells at the top of his lungs. And then the indignant crowd pushing him away. You know, you, you, you can't do this. But then in my mind, I see that moment, and it's, it's kind of the epic movie, movie moment when Christ stops and he looks, and there's a direct line looking right at Barnabas sitting on the side of the road. 
that direct line of sight, and everybody starts being a little quiet. And he says, call him. For that moment, in my mind, everything quiets down. It becomes almost a noiseless setting. And the people are saying, cheer up. Get on your feet. He's calling you. Cheer up. That my mind, it tells, me, it tells me one thing, that he probably wasn't in a very good mood because they're yelling, cheer up. There's hope for you. Get up. He's called you. They almost are going, you know, I, I can't believe what I'm, what I'm hearing. And kind of the crowd parts up. And Barnabas, throwing off his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Mark is very very intent on the details in this. You know, first of all, we, we, we don't see very often where a, a beggar or there's somebody that's healed, you know, is called by name and then told, you know, actually the son of Timaeus, you know, we're, we're, we're not given that privilege. You know, we, we, we give details, you know, like the, um, uh, 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 the centurion's child, you know, or, you know, just details like that. But, but we don't hear the names like we normally do. But here's another detail, throwing off his cloak aside. You know, that, that's huge in this text because for Barnabas, for a blind beggar in that, in that day and age, that cloak was everything to them. Kept the, it kept the heat from them. They kept the rain from them. It was their protection, the chill of the night. And it also was an identification uh, because it was the custom in, in those days that, that beggars and, and blind people had certain identifications that they, they had that would tell them they're, they're, a, they're a blind person. So Barnabas had so much faith that Jesus would heal him. He would throw off the very thing, the only thing that was his insulation from the world, that he would cast it off and throw it away, knowing that he no longer needed that coat. And he ran without fear to Jesus. By faith, he knew. Hebrews 11, with, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who knows him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith we gain what we cannot do on our own. He sought Jesus out. And by faith, he was healed. Jesus asked, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? And he said, Reb and I, I want to see. Blindness in the Bible is, is not necessarily a physical thing. Blindness in the Bible is, is a spiritual issue. John writes in Revelation Three about the church in Laodicea that has become complacent, lazy in their faith. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired the wealth. I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, you're pitiful, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. I counsel you to buy from me the gold refined by the fire so that you can become rich with white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shame of nakedness and the salve to put on your eyes 
so that you may see. Spiritual blindness is a wretched affair. Blind Bart knew his position. He knew the state of his life. He knew he wanted more. Just a couple weeks ago, I, I, I listened um, to, a, to a pastor preach, and, and he had some, some really interesting words. He said that, you know, from our unbelief, many times we just want rescued. But he said we, we should want conversion. We should want to be converted. You know, so, so do you want true healing or do you just want the inconvenience to go away of your pain or your suffering or your hurt feelings or the things that are going on in your life? I just want to be rescued, Lord. I, I just want you to take care of that. When in fact we should be saying, I want to be all of you. I want you to make me all I can be for you. I want to be a totally devoted follower of Christ. Blind Bart stepped forward and knew what he needed. He stood before him. He responds, Rabboni, I want to see. Many of your translations will say, Rabbi, I want to see, but in, in the Greek it is Rabboni. Rabboni is only used for God. Rabbi is a teacher. Rabbi is a clergy. Rabbi is a position. Rabboni is God. Again, he recognizes him as God. I want to see. I do not want to be rescued. I want everything. I want to be converted. Bartimaeus started out with a need. First of all, Second, he, he cried out in desperation. Third, he stepped out in faith, throwing his cloak off. And fourth, that he saw life before him like he had never seen it before because he could see. A life with Christ. A life fully developed in Christ Jesus. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I told you earlier that... that uh, son of Timaeus had, has a special meaning. Timaeus means honor. Son of honor. Here Jesus is, and this, at this point in his misery, ministry, he is, he is leaving Jericho. He is going to Jerusalem. He is going to be crucified when he gets there. But he stops when he hears a man cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He stops to honor that man. He stops and takes the minute to be with him, to speak to him, to speak words that will heal him. I would not like to think that I am one of those people that is in the crowd insisting that these people be quiet. That these blind beggars along the road 
don't matter. That it's all about me. I hate to think that, that, that I operate like that, but I do know that I operate like that. That I have selfishness, I have the want, I want it all, I want it now. But I do need, I, I need to take a look at this. I need to take a look at my own life. Am I a stumbling block for people that are trying to seek God? The reality is that, that there are tons of people out there shouting. We really do see them every day. But do we have a blindness that keeps us from seeing those that are shouting, that are seeking, that are hurting? What, what, what do we do? I think there's a possibility for all of us to, to reach out to, to one person, to feed one person, to build a house for one person, to write a card for one person, to, to make a phone call to one person, to encourage one person, to pray for one person. We have it in us to do that. There's many times we may think, you know, what do I have to offer? But I think we can honor others. We can honor the Timaeuses, the Bartimaeuses that are in our lives, that are around us shouting, wanting to be heard, wanting to have Christ in their lives. They may not know that that's what they need, but they're empty. They're naked and they're blind. And Christ can clothe us. He hears us. And he can take away the wretched spiritual blindness that is in our lives. Father God, I thank you so much for your word and how you teach us about yourself, how you demonstrate your agape love for us how you want each of us to, to know you personally in a deep, devoted relationship. Some of us in this room today uh, can relate to Barnabas in, in that, that, that we're blind and, and we're calling out and we're seeking in our hearts to, to, to know you fully, but just may not know how to get there. Some of us are, are lukewarm believers that, that suffer from spiritual blindness and we have gotten stiff-necked. Some of us are the roadblocks. And I pray for your help for us to realize where the shouts are coming from so that we can part the ways that we can be an instrument of change for people to know Christ. We pray these things in your name. Amen.